Welcome to Young and Adulting, a podcast of the Young Adults community at Christ Fellowship Church. Our hope is to create a safe place for authentic conversation around the ins and outs of life as we all try to navigate following Jesus in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the conversation. Well, welcome to the Young and Adulting Podcast. My name is Lewis, and every Thursday at 7.30 for this season two, we've been talking about relationships. We've been getting into all the details about the complexities and tensions of life and love and relationship. And when I say that we have saved the best for last, I'm telling you that today is the day the best has been saved for last. I'm joined by Pastor Daniel. He's pastor of our CF Espanol campus and uh, lived an incredible life of faith and courage. And I am just honored for you to be in our Young and Adulting podcast. So Pastor Daniel, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, it's an honor to be here. Well, as you can tell, I have an accent. Uh, I was born in Latin America in a very poor country with a single to a single mom. Uh, my dad just uh, didn't know how to love well. He was a wounded soul and abandoned us and grew up with a lot of insecurities. But at age 12, um, I got saved. The Lord uh, really wow. restored me, saved me. And uh, 15, when I was 15, I remember receiving a call to ministry, very clear call to ministry. And a friend of mine and uh, another friend uh, were studying the uh, university in my country. And um, Three of us started a church at 19. I was 19 years old. Wow. Yeah, to this day, it's a 2,000 members church. Uh, oh, and, my goodness. Yeah. That's and, incredible. Uh, you know, and, and I moved to the United States, uh, well, to the country of Miami, because sometimes I wasn't sure. <laughs> when I was 21, I moved to uh, 20, I moved to Miami. And um, and then at 25, I married the love of my life. We have three kids now. Been serving CF for 20 years, so I'm a veteran wow. here. Yep. I always say that God does the impossible with the improbable. I am the improbable. And, and God has done the impossible with your life. I've heard a little bit about it, and we're going to get into a little bit more, but you are you're kind of famous at Christ Fellowship for a lot oh of different goodness. reasons, but one of them is our summer interns come in every summer, and every week we give them a homeroom. They, they hear from a leader in our church, and every year you give one of the last talks of the year, but it's about mm -hmm. this hot topic really of sexual purity. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Is that mm -hmm. something that is relevant to our lives today? We know the mm -hmm. Bible talks about it. How does it interface with us? Mm -hmm. And so since not all of us get the opportunity to be interns, We've invited you here today to finish our season two of the Young and Adulting podcast to talk about this, mm -hmm. this idea of purity and what does it mean for us? Why is this something that you're, you're passionate about mm -hmm. and why do we need to care about it too? You know, sex is like a fire. Mm -hmm. If in the chimney of marriage brings protection, outside of that brings destruction. You know, when Paul thought about what could be the best piece of advice to a young man, he said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, run away from anything that stimulates lust. And he also said in 1 Timothy 4.16, the following words, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. It's almost like Paul is saying to this young man, listen, I guarantee you that if you stay morally pure, doctrinally sound, and emotionally healthy, 
you'll have a bright future in God. But if you don't, you can get burned. Wow. We have, unfortunately, through friends or maybe we see a headline, we've seen mm -hmm. people that have, have been burned. Mm -hmm. uh, could you paint a picture? What does a bright future in God look like? Um, before starting this conversation, we're talking uh, behind the scenes here, and, and we were, I was telling you that to me, um, God didn't call us to be successful. God called us to be faithful. Wow. You know, at the end of the day, Jesus says, uh, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. It seems like faithfulness is important to God. Mm -hmm. Well, it should be important. Uh, it's important for whoever wants to marry a person. They want to make sure that person is faithful. Um, I always tell my kids, make sure someone you can trust. Can you trust that person? If that person has put God in the first place, I'm sure you're going to be, you'll, you'll be okay, son. Uh, mm -hmm. I have three boys. Uh, if that person cannot be faithful to God, how can he be faithful to you? Right. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, this is a very important thing. I, I remember seeing a lot of people that grew up with me in the gospel, and most of them are not here today. Um, they have scandals or they just, um, you know, they, they really ruin their lives because they did not know how to take care of this fire. Yeah, that's right. I think about, um, man, there's Bible verses that say that mm -hmm. uh, your boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and like mm -hmm. you said, sex is the gift mm -hmm. when in the right context is beautiful mm -hmm. in the wrong context, it burns the entire house down. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What I'm grateful for is the grace of Jesus to yeah. say, regardless of whatever yeah. has happened in the past, mm -hmm. regardless yes, of, exactly. of any memory, regardless of any person, yeah. there like His mercies are new every mm -hmm. morning. Mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. There's not a morning where they're not new, and so in light of mm -hmm. the, the new mercies of God, in light of the the new creation that He's mm -hmm. made us, where the old is gone and the new has come. Mm -hmm. We now need to, once we've received that grace, we need right. to protect that fire. We need to yeah. guard it. And yeah. so would you tell us some of the principles about how we can mm. uh, be sexually pure now that we've received God's grace and His mercy in our lives? Well, I love, Louis, that you mentioned that because I, I'm always careful that whenever I'm talking about this, I don't want to bring any kind of guilt. Right. Anything that uh, will bring uh, condemnation. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. Uh, and draw us closer to the Lord. Right. But the enemy, uh, it distorts that and brings uh, condemnation and creates distance between us and God. And that's not the purpose of this. I think that it's just for people to value such right. a beautiful gift mm -hmm. and to really understand what's at risk at play here. It's important. Um, and I also want to start by saying that you're hearing this from a sinful man. I've been forgiving. I've been redeemed. But thankfully, I marry us as virgin men. And by the grace of God, I've been faithful to my wife. Mm -hmm. um, so she's been the first woman I've ever been with, the only one. And by the way, she told me to say she will be the last one. <laughs> she will make sure. You don't want to mess with a Cuban girl. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I think that uh, for me, I think that one of the things that helped me is that I was aware of my weakness. That's great. Uh, I, I don't think the Lord can deposit His strength if you are not uh, aware of your weakness, vulnerable, honest. So I was, I think that I was very aware. I knew my dad was a mess. My dad was a 
womanizer and every all the men in my family that the typical Latino lover kind of uh, thing, all of them. And I said, I don't, I, they inspire me not to be like them, you oh, know? Oh, that's good. Uh, and I said, I don't, but I know I have this, Lord help me. Mm-hmm. So I, I was very aware. You know, I, I recently read a study of Cornell University. They studied thousands of CEOs and successful people, and they wanted to find out what was the common denominator of their success. And they put discipline and creativity, so many. But to everyone's surprise, the number one denominator, the number one predictor of success is self-awareness. Wow. Okay. Self-awareness. Why do you think that is? You know, I think that the Bible always calls us to Mm self-examination. And if you notice, uh, David is an example of a guy that failed miserably but it's also an example of a guy that is successful in God. But he was always asking God, examine me. Uh, the book of Job was saying, examine me. Uh, and then the Bible says that in, in Romans 8, that the Holy Spirit uh, looks into the depth of our souls, into the deepest areas of our soul and connects us with God. So I think that, and if you read the book of Proverbs, the father's always calling the son to reflect upon I think we we have a, even in churches, a hyperactive culture. We don't have a reflective culture. No, we don't. We don't have a contemplative culture. But the biblical culture is one that pauses. You know, the, this word in, in Psalms 71 times is called Selah, mm-hmm. which means pause, meditate, reflect upon. Think about this. In the in corporate American, everyone's talking now about deep thinking, that all the great ideas from Apple to uh, Facebook, Instagram, all the great great ideas came out of deep thinking. People stop the world and say, wait a minute, I need time to think. And I think that when you are reflective, uh, it's a window for the Holy Spirit to come in. To Jesus said, I'm at the door knocking. Open the door. Mm-hmm. So self-reflection is, is opening the door to the work of the Holy Spirit where we become totally vulnerable and honest to him and say, Lord, I'm a mess and I don't want to pretend. You made me out of clay uh, and that's not clean uh, and never going to be totally clean. So you, you you better do a work in me. So I think that once you have that kind of honesty with yourself, I am weak, I am tempted, Lord help me. I, you know, the, the most holy people that I know are experts. They have a PhD in repentance. <laughs> Constantly, wow. Lord, Please forgive me. Oh, Lord. The Bible says that Jesus looks at even the intentions of our hearts, the imaginations of our hearts. Man, we are in trouble. So let's not pretend that we're not. That's why I love celebrity recovery and all those kind of ministries because Mm -hmm. nobody's pretending anymore. The problem is we go to church and we're all looking good and we pretend to have this Christian lingo and uh, with this uh, ministry smile (laughs) that we have to have. And and yes, we, you know, there's a place for that, but, but, are we being honest? So self-reflection, I think, is honesty. And it's mm-hmm. opening a window to the Holy Spirit. And, and I was very aware of my weakness. And because I was very aware of my weakness, I think that's where I received the strength of the Lord. It's like Moses. You know, hey, you want this huge revelation of the burning thing? First thing, take out the sandal, the sandals of your feet. Be barefooted, man. Mm-hmm. Be vulnerable. I know it. You're never going to qualify. It's by grace. 
And I'm going to show you from the beginning. Every time we talk about God's holiness, it's immediately the man becomes aware of their, his uh, sinfulness or her sinfulness. Right. You know, I say, hey, you know, holiness. Whoa, I'm a man of, 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 of impure lips. So uh, I think that it's admitting our reality, our permanent state of need of God. And without him, uh, we're a mess, but we are clay. But the good thing is the potter. That's right. Yeah. You, you say um, that sometimes the best way, once we're self-aware, we need to be aware of our surroundings, of our environments, because sometimes that mm-hmm. that's that, that's what leads up to mm-hmm. that mistake, regret, sin. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about that. I think sometimes we spiritualize a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We we need to be pragmatic as well. Yeah, we do. It has to do with your phone, with your iPad, with your TV, with your computer. It's we gotta be practical. And when I think about uh, the best case study case in the Bible, to me is David. David is a huge guy in the Bible, and he was very uh, complex guy. He was very multifaceted guy. I mean, he was a warrior and a writer, a poet, and also a prince. He was this uh, violent man and very tender-hearted man. He was, yeah, in his stories, the, the shepherd boy that became a king, but also the mighty man of God that fell into sin. Right. So sometimes it's a paradox. I, I actually think one of my future sermons will be the paradox of ministry. You know, the, this great glory, this great treasure in jars of clay. It, it's always a paradox. Mm-hmm. We must live a life that will be unexplainable, uh, unexplainable upside the grace of God. Wow, so like that's that. why we're always going, always going to live in that paradox. Mm-hmm. You know, David had that. And and uh, he he was a mighty man that, um, a he-man almost in the Bible, you know, but he had a cheap uh, yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and And... And when you think of David, everybody talks about the big event where he failed to God, but we have to uh, dissect that and look at what happened before. You know, people say, I fell into sin. No, you didn't fail into sin. You planned to fall. Wow. And that's the reality. Yeah. Um, it was not an event. It was a process. Mm-hmm. And that process starts with a almost uh, unknown scripture in the Bible. Uh, and it is in... Deuteronomy 17, 16, 17, God tells the kings of Israel, future kings of Israel, something, this, this, this is the instruction. The king, moreover, the Bible says, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Well, guess what? I don't think David had a problem with taking people back to Egypt. David didn't have a problem with horses. David didn't have a, pr- a problem with uh, increasing his personal wealth, uh, dispense of people. Uh, but he did have a problem. Second uh, Samuel 5.13, the Bible says, After he left Hebron, David took more concubines and wives in Jerusalem. And that's what the weak spot for David was. He had a problem with sexual immorality. Right. Uh, and, and, and I think that that's what we need to be aware of those little, you know, the Bible says we must catch the little foxes, the little foxes. Uh, big scandals are made of little mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that we are like, when no one wakes, 
wakes up one day and say, I'm going to mess up my life today. I'm going to fall into fornication, adultery, whatever. Nobody says that one day from another, but they go little by little and we become totally numb to it. So it's not a big event. It's a process. It's really a process. It's a, it's a step-by-step. Step-by-step. And you don't realize it, and then you are somewhere where you never thought you were ever going to be. <laughs> That's why we need to, to guard our surroundings. Totally. To guard uh, what we see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said it. Our, our technology mm-hmm. is technology mm-hmm. is just a tool, and mm-hmm. it's a tool that allows us to do a podcast like this. Mm-hmm. And it's a tool that, that we could use to absolutely not fall into sin, mm-hmm. but, but sin. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to set our environment up and not mm-hmm. just our physical environment, our, our digital environment too. Yeah. We need to have the blockers on our, on our, on our internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to have people who can see what we're doing on the internet. We need to have people who mm-hmm. can take our phone and look through everything with, yeah. with no, no bars back. Uh, we need people, don't we? Mm-hmm. A- we- in our lives in general to help us. Yeah, and I think it's not so much of the negative of mm-hmm. what to avoid, what not to do, but uh, we were made to be satisfied. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when you look at it, if the Garden of Eden and the New Jerusalem, it's a picture of what God wants for us. Well, it looks like abundance. Um, it looks like God wants us satisfied, but in Him. So I think that it, it, we must fill ourselves with the good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you're doing a diet. Um, if you... And this is the, the first principle for me. When I look at the, the life of David, it's, it's, it's this. You avoid the temptation by avoiding the situation. If you, right. if you love um, donuts, why are you doing dunking? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you love uh, um, ice cream, what are you doing in the ice cream area of Publix or the supermarket? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, the best way for you not to eat junk food is not to buy it in the first place. That's right. So if you open the fridge and you don't have what I crave, by the way, I grew up poor. So for me, eating bread and sweets were like a big thing. So mm-hmm. that's my weakness. So I better don't buy that. I just avoid it. I just have the, the fridge with the good stuff. So I think that we must avoid sexual sin by avoiding the situation. Um, here's the instance where David um, really was not wise. And I think that a lot of this is wisdom. So if you read uh, Proverbs 6 and 7, you hear of the young, uh, naive guy that went nearby the corner of, the, of this person that was sinful. And of course, he fell into it like, uh, like a prey, the Bible call it. Mm-hmm. But it, it, there's so much wisdom. It's in Proverbs. It, a lot of that has to be with wisdom. It's not just like, I'm going to pray fast for three days. And, you know, there must be also wisdom. We must use our brain. In issues of the heart, use the brain. Mm-hmm. So I think that here's the situation with David. Second Samuel 11, 1 says, In the spring, at the time when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israel, Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged uh, the city of Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Okay. So here's God telling us, this is what happened before Bathsheba, okay? Right. So God is giving us a lot of uh, clues here, what happened. First, he's taking a lot of wives and concubines, already bad, and now he's doing something dumb as well. He belongs to the battlefield, but he's in bed. 
Mm. You know. That'll preach. Yeah. So everyone is where he's supposed to, they're supposed to be, but he decided to take some time off, leisure time, just he had time on his hands. He started, you know, um, I was about to say scrolling down his iPhone, but well, not Maybe that not. exactly, but <laughs> symbolically he did because he said, yeah. I'm bored. What am I going to do? So he's, you know, he stretched himself young couple times and went to the rooftop, you know, just to see what was there. Mm-hmm. And I think he knew what was there. I really think he, he knew what was yeah, there. Probably. He knew what happened. Verse two, that's what we read. It was verse one. So God is saying, this is the context. He is not doing what he's supposed to do. He's being, he's not being wise here. Okay. And verse two says, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. Here it is. In those days, um, people used to gather water naturally. So they would have the containers on top of the roof. Now the houses were, you know, one story pretty much, uh, houses. And they have a sort of privacy wall on top of the roof, maybe two to three feet. That will give, especially women, privacy, right? But guess what? David was in a palace on a hill. He can get all the direct TV channels. Mm. He got the five bar signals, he, 5G. The guy was able to see everything and he's there. And he, at the distance, he hears some splashing of water and maybe the humming coming from the lips of a beautiful woman. And what happened next? It's destruction. Um, he was in the rooftop. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that's what is called triggers. Triggers, mm-hmm. um, and once you once you had this trigger, um, it's hard to stop because you release dopamines, uh, those chemicals that create this pleasure, and then you find yourself in the moment. And I love what um, one of the men that I, I admire the most, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, said one time talking about the moments of temptation. He said, "In our members, there is a slumbering inclination towards desire." which is both sudden and fierce. The flesh burns, talking about fire, the flesh burns and it's in flames. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. We lose all reality and only desire for the creature is real. The only reality is now the devil. Satan does not here fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. The lust does arouse envelops, envelops us, envelops the mind and the will of people in the deepest darkness. The powers of clear discrimination, that means discernment, and decision are taken away from us. David was blinded by desire. Mm-hmm. The flesh started burning. The fire started being destructive. The triggers were activated. So we need to know what are our triggers. We need to know what is the profile of the greatest temptations that we have. Um, what is the profile? Well, if it is uh, this height, if it is this color, if it is this moment, not just people, but mm-hmm. how about the moments? 
normally I'm tempted when it's dark, mm-hmm. when I'm in the bed uh, or the bathroom or in the gym. Or you have to be honest with yourself. So you have to study yourself. That's why it says self-reflection, right. self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Okay, when is it that I have failed before? Um, is it in my phone? Okay, I need to do something about it. He's saying at this time, well, I cannot trust myself anymore at midnight. You no, got to study yourself yeah. and say, and look back at your own life and say, and be pragmatic about it. Not just mm-hmm. spiritual, be pragmatic and say, wait a minute, I found myself in trouble every time I'm at this moment and in this emotional state. Mm-hmm. I feel lonely. I feel that um, I wonder if one day I'm going to get married. And then uh, you see this novel of uh, this Italian hairy guy and the girls love to read the, what was the name of this guy, Fabio or something like that. Uh, anyways, uh, they, and, and the, the guys could yeah. be pornography, could be whatever is creating this escape to that moment of emptiness. And yeah. then you have to be, so you have to be honest with yourself. I think there's a lot of, pragmatism here mm-hmm. and that's why Paul listen to what Paul says he didn't say you know Timothy fast three days De- uh, Timothy do the Daniel fast for 21 days and you'll be forever Billy Grant no mm-hmm. he said run away run away and yeah. the Corinthians he says flee from all sexual immorality flee run away um, keep a Close watch on yourself, monitor. And again, self-awareness. You have to monitor yourself. Um, And you have to ask, why do I feel attracted to this person? Why is it that, and you're going to know that you're not attracted to everyone. So who is it normally that I'm most attracted to? Uh, Oh, there's a profile that I'm most attracted. What's that profile? Write it down. Oh, I'm embarrassed. God knows it anyways. And the devil too. So... You know, and then you then be careful for now. Mm-hmm. And then you avoid. If it says slippery floor, why are you walking around there? Right. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I think that we need to know what triggers us, what takes us to the rooftops. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to come down. Once what Bonhoeffer says, you're burning, God becomes unreal. It's not that. Uh, the devil wants us to uh, not know that God is there, but we forget about God. God becomes unreal to us. Yeah. Once we are in that moment, Louis, is hard to come down the rooftop. There, there is so much there to unpack. I, mm-hmm. I think one of the things you said, the matters of the heart need to be solved sometimes in mm-hmm. the mind. Mm-hmm. We need to be pragmatic about mm-hmm. it. And you mentioned celebrate recovery at one point. I believe mm-hmm. one of the tenets that they teach from is that for most people, and I know this goes for me, we are most in like that trigger zone. Uh, they say halt when we're hungry, angry, alone, or tired. I like that. Halt. Hungry, angry, alone, or tired. So if we're hungry, angry, alone, or tired. So when you halt, halt. you become Hulk. Uh, I, yeah, let's go. <laughs> we're going to fight the devil. <laughs> but we need to be aware of when we're in those spaces mm-hmm. so that we can make the decisions we need to make. David uh, you said he didn't go out to the battle. He mm-hmm. stayed in bed. Mm-hmm. He didn't do the God thing. Mm-hmm. He did not a bad thing, but just mm-hmm. it, it was. Mm-hmm. he was hanging out. I wonder what would happen, though, if maybe he's chilling in bed. He starts to hear the water splashing. 
Maybe he's hungry, angry, alone, tired. I don't know. Uh, I wonder if he was able to call a friend in that moment. Call yeah. somebody in. Hey, come play the first century Xbox with me. I need my mind distracted. Uh, what's the power of community mm-hmm. in this space? How does mm-hmm. that help us? You know, uh, one of the trees that I like the most is the sequoia trees. Okay. They're huge, humongous. I mean, I don't know how many stories, five stories, something huge. And it's like those giants, silent giants that are there. And it's so majestic to, to, mm-hmm. to see them. Now, what's interesting is that, do you know that the root system is barely above the surface of the soil? They don't have deep. Really? They don't have deep roots at all, which is surprising. And, you know, they're in California, and, and that's where a lot of uh, earthquakes happen and right. uh, fires, whatnot. So they go through a lot over there, and they're still remaining. Hundreds of years, they're still standing tall. Hmm. The secret is that they have the root system, they grow in groves. Okay. They're intertwined each other. Wow. They're all intertwined. So if for one to fall, everyone will have to come down. And guess what? No one is falling because they're all holding each other. That's beautiful. Accountable. And that's exactly what I think we need to have. Mm-hmm. But really intertwine, not casual friendships. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I always say that the best friends are the people that know the worst of you and get the best out of you. That's great. So my soul friends, honestly, are not just because they have a nice personality. It's because they bless my soul. Mm-hmm. When they talk, I feel something inside my soul. That's prophetic. That is a, um, a person that's becoming this um, instrument of God to speak to my life. Right. We need we need to be impact. We need to, to have those roots intertwined. We need to have people that are, you know, that are, not always a yes sayers. We right. need to have people that are that will confront us. We need to have people that are different than us. We need to have people that don't believe our, our propaganda all the time. Um, we need to have people that are contrarians, they mm-hmm. call it. Um, I need to find those people. I need to have people that will speak truth to myself, to, to my life. Otherwise, the capacity of cell dissection is, is way too big for me. Sure. Um, in James chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The power of a rage, righteous man is powerful and effective. I remember um, having a friend for many years. He recently moved. Now I have another friend, thankfully. But we came out with these five questions that we'll ask each other all the time, every time we met. Number one, are you spending enough time with God and reading the Word? Number two, are you keeping your family time healthy? Number three, are you keeping yourself morally pure? Four, are you using God's money with integrity? Five, are you using your spiritual authority to manipulate or abuse or deceive people? Wow. And after we answer all those questions, the final question will be, have you lied to me in one of those? Mm. And I think that I personally need that kind of accountability. We need that. 
uh, I imbibe accountability because, you know, we are not good. Um, we're, we're, we don't have the capacity to really be so self-aware all the time. We, need, we have blind spots. Every time you're driving, you have blind spots. So mm -hmm. there must be people, seers, in the Old Testament, the prophets used to call seers. We need seers of God. We need people that see what I don't see and that are willing to not believe my propaganda and speaking truth to my life, even though it hurts sometimes. Wow, mm -hmm. that's fantastic. We need to get those people, which is why as young adults at Christ Fellowship, really our whole entire church, we try to get people into groups all of the yeah. time because we're better together. And, and I need that encouragement in my life. And I need to be that person for somebody else. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about that too often, how we need to not just invite accountability, but be bold enough to provide it when we need it mm -hmm. uh, to the, the people and the friends and uh, people closest to us. Definitely, That's definitely. Incredible. And if you have a... a, um, a romantic relationship, mm -hmm. I think that one of the characteristics of that person has to be to be able to speak boldly to your life. Um, every time I somebody comes, oh, pastor, I'm dating such and such, and can you give us a counseling, whatever? So I said, hey, before you come to me, I want you to tell me, uh, I only have one question for each one of you. So I actually did that last night. Somebody came up, Pastor, we need to yeah. talk. I already knew a long time ago. Um, and can you talk to us? I said, okay, um, we'll see each other next uh, Tuesday. I think we're going to have our counseling. I said, what I want you to bring is bring me a list of the things that you hate about him. And you Hello. bring me a list of what you hate, dislike about her. Um, and they were like, oh, oh, what? Because they are in love. Everything is right. perfect. Nothing. I mean, it's, it's almost the archangel descended from heaven. <laughs> but it, you need to know. So why? Because that's what love is. You know, somebody said love is blind, but marriage open your eyes. You know, um, and you need to you need to have people that are able to tell you the things that are not well in your life. And there are many things that are not well. So especially if you're in a romantic relationship, one of the things that I tell my boys once you're dating, that somebody will be prophetic in your life, mm -hmm. that will be willing to risk the relationship as long as uh, that person loves you so much that they are not willing to for your spiritual life to be at risk. So we, we need to have profits. Profits of our potential, wow. but not all potential is good. Mm -hmm. Where there, wherever there's potential, there's also danger. And I think that we need to have those kind of profits, profits of our potential, positive and negative. And we need to have those kind of profits that will speak out the truth. Just real quickly, how, mm -hmm. would, you, how would you have that conversation? If you're, you're listening to this, you're like, I need... I need somebody to speak into my life. I need mm -hmm. that prophet in my life. Mm -hmm. How would you advise that person to go get that prophet, mentor, coach, uh, accountability partner? What does that conversation need to be like? Um, it's counter, counter, it may not sound like the answer you want to, but the first thing I will say is normally those guys, or the, the people, are busy people. Mm -hmm. So do not ask them to be your mentor because they don't have time. Probably. Um, instead of come and bring coffee, um, uh, ask for a recommendation of a book, 
and then come back and say, I read the book that you told me or the podcast that you told me. And this is what I learned. So what are you doing? This is, so I'm going to give you an answer, but I actually going to give you two answers here. Great. First, how to get a mentor. It, normally a mentor is somebody that know more than what you know, have done things you haven't done and have been to places you haven't been to. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and normally because all those three characteristics, they're going to be very busy probably. So, um, I think that you need to invite them into the journey more than ask directly to a mentor. So that's a, a piece of advice, uh, number one. But uh, number two, I think that um, once I notice, for instance, one of the things that I recommend is books. Uh, read this book. If that person read the book and they come back to me and they give me what they read and what they learned and what they put in practice, I said, this person is ready for the next book or the next piece of advice. So I give them more books, more books. I try to, for me, there are some, at least 20 books that are basic in, in Christianity. So I recommend those, those books. Um, and then, for instance, I this one by Howard Hendricks, uh, Teaching to Change Lives. Mm -hmm. And I recommended this to this uh, man so he said, he read it. So now I'm going to ask him to give me an outline. Um, and then I'm going to coach him on the outline. And then he doesn't know, but I'm planning to give him an opportunity to co-teach with me. But he doesn't know this yet. So um, how to approach? I think that, that you need to kind of invite them into the journey and demonstrate that you value their time mm -hmm. by doing or going above their expectation. And that everyone that loves people will be willing to pour into your life. So it, there must be an incentive. And the incentive is not financial incentive if it's a, you know, a, a person with a good heart. The incentive is that you value their time, that you truly value their advice, and that you're following through with what advice they've been giving you. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. I wish all of us would do that a little bit more. I think we'd be a lot better off. Uh, one of the principles you talk about is the need uh, to count the cost. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. You know, one time, and I don't know this, I know this in Spanish, so I don't know if people will translate, but there was this guy in the park and an old man, and there was this young man. Uh, he just looked at the old man and said, hey, can you tell me what time is it? You know, I need to know the time. And he said, um, no, I won't give you the time. Wow, that's, oh, kind okay. of, that's kind of rude. But he wasn't too happy and said, excuse me, sir, why you don't want to tell me what time is it? Why? So I just don't want to tell you. And he insisted, why? Well, because if I tell you the time, you're going to say thank you. I'm going to tell you it's my pleasure. Then I'm going to notice you might be a nice young man. We're going to start talking. At some point, I'm going to invite you to my house. And then you're going to meet my beautiful daughter. And I you might start liking each other. Wow. You might start dating each other. You might marry. And I don't want my daughter to marry a man that cannot afford a watch. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. And if if you ever heard that from somebody at the park, run away probably. <laughs> I don't know if you want to marry the person's daughter. <laughs> What I'm saying That's is hilarious. the guy played the movie way too much, of course. Right. Um, and, you know, now it's okay not to have a watch, by the way. It's okay. Um, I'm glad I have three boys. I don't have a yeah. daughter because I'll be a bad, bad, bad father-in-law <laughs> probably. But anyways, um, the idea is to play the movie. 
Play the movie, count the cost. Mm -hmm. You know, David, in, in uh, verse 5, the Bible says, 2 Samuel 12, 5, says, the, the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Um, this is, wow. David did not expect that for sure. No. And that's when, I'm talking about celebrity recovery and all of that, uh, the devil is never going to uh, tell the heavy drinker, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be addicted to this or to the drug user, you might end up dead or to the promiscuous person, you know, pregnancy is a possibility or a disease here. Um, the enemy just will, will really uh, magnify the pleasure and, and will minimize the price that you have to pay. Mm. Uh, and I think we need to do the opposite then. Let's magnify the price Because the price of sin is greater than the pleasure it brings. Always. Right. Always. The price of sin will be greater than the pleasure it brings. Much greater. Um, and I think that David just didn't know. And, and when, you, when you read all of this, he had incredible, incredible consequences. Uh, first of all, it affected his walk of faith. Uh, in Psalms 32, verse 3 and 4, he said that his body wasted away, that he was crying all day long, that his strength evaporated. So he was a miserable husband, angry father, poor leader, a songless composer. Wow. He was physically exhausted. He was spiritually drained, confused. It affected his future because Israel was never the same after that. It affected the most important thing, in my opinion, his family. Second Samuel uh, chapter 16, verse 12 says, So Absalom, basically on the same roof that his father committed that, years later, he went to bed with all his father's concubines in front of all Israel. His father was hidden in secret. Now he's in public doing in the same place. Of his father. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's not, it's not, um, it's, it's not a coincidence. God is putting this on purpose that his son Absalom did this in the same spot in public for all Israel to see this immorality uh, in the same place. To me, this is incredible. Um, now, verse six says that David must, when David said, um, When Nathan the prophet came and said, you know, this man took uh, the sheep of another poor guy. And David uh, said, that man has to pay four times uh, because of what he did. And then Nathan turns around and says, you are the man. That was just a, a parable. You are the man. Mm -hmm. You are the man that stole the wife of Uriah. You are the man having so many concubines and immorality here and there. And you decided to do that. And by the way, do you know that in the New Testament, Bathsheba, I said, Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, in the New Testament. So it carried on. Unbelievable. Mm. God doesn't forget. So that's why we need to really have the fear of the Lord. That's another word that we have forgotten, the fear of the Lord. Look at what happened with Absalom. Look what happened even thousands of years later in the New Testament. The Bible says God did not honor that. And he says, must pay four times. Guess what? Purification or destruction. Mm -hmm. and, and this is why the devil is so into this. 
You know that, for instance, and this is totally off the script, but you know when Isaac, the Bible said, that met his wife, Rebecca. The Bible said he brought her to the tent and he was comforted from, the mother, from his mother's death. He was healed, in other words, of pain. He was healed. That sexual relationship with his wife brought by the serpent representing the Holy Spirit, the camels representing the ministries and the gifts represent the gifts of the Spirit, brought um, by commandment of Abraham, the father, and the, the servant, the Holy Spirit, and Isa representing Jesus, and Rebecca representing the church. And he's meeting at the time now, and they are together. And the Bible says that out of that relationship, what happened was healing. Mm -hmm. Healing. Wow. Could it be that we haven't seen the spirituality of sexuality? It's huge. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, when Angdon fell with Tamar, after, that after that sin, he became demonic, pretty much. He became demonic. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I can tell you more scriptures where there was a spiritual transfer. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 and around there says that it becomes one, whether with a prostitute, whether with a woman, or whether with a man, it becomes one. So basically, a sexual interaction is a transfer of all those, of whatever that person is carrying, or whatever that person is carrying. So that's why it could be, it could be uh, constructive or destructive. It could be purifying, or it could be um, something that would defile us. Mm -hmm. And that's why the devil puts so much attention to immorality. There's a lot at play. Mm -hmm. To the point that Jesus compares the union of the church with that kind of relationship. And the Bible calls that a mystery. So there's a lot of mysteries that happen in sexuality. There's a lot of mysteries that we don't know. But my little hunch and my little view of the Bible tells me there's humongous power of God through and purification, sanctification. Mm -hmm. The purpose of marriage is not happiness, it's holiness. Uh, that's another teaching. Yeah. And mm -hmm. once you discover holiness, you discover the beauty of the holiness. So you discover happiness through holiness because your aim is holiness. And that's why Zipporah, the wife of Moses, brought circumcision to him mm -hmm. because marriage is sanctification. I can go on and on. But if we discover why God said this is something reserved for the chimney of marriage, for marriage to bring protection and to bring purification. And, but outside of that is destruction. And we need to guard it. We need to value it. And we need to take care of that as something really holy. Is beyond. Yes, I know you're a man. Whoever's listening to me, I know you're a woman. But listen, more than a man, you're a man of God. And more than a woman, you are a woman of God. Your body the Bible says in Corinthians, glorify God in your body. Your body is to be a carrier of the glory of God, not a carrier of guilt, shame, and regret. This is something that you need to know and you need to pray about. I don't want you to feel uh, guilt, uh, guilty or anything like that. This is a redemptive conversation. Whatever passed, passed. You know what David did? And I want to close by by saying this, you know, whenever there is um, confession, if there's no confession, there will be confrontation. But if there is confession, there will be healing. God can heal the broken hearted, the broken heart. If you bring him all the pieces, you have to be honest and come to God. And that's what David did. And look what happened. Psalms 51, a few verses says, 
Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgression, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justify when you judge. Cleanse me with, um, with, in a way that will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity, creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen. Joy. Purity. Peace, purification, holiness. I always tell the single people, don't read the book of Song of Solomon when you're single. Try to do that once you're married. But if you read uh, chapter five, there's grammatically uh, in literature, if you study that in, in that pragmatic way, you, you notice that there's one verse that apparently somebody else uh, interact is not the lover and the wife, somebody else. And it's that somebody else says, come, drink, enjoy the, the blessing that I'm giving you, in other words. And all the experts of the Bible believe is God saying, this is my gift to you. This is my gift to you. Enjoy. I'm there. And that bedroom became an altar to worship God. And I'm probably going to go, um, this is rated G, okay? But it might go a rating up, my closing comment. Is that okay? Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Um, I grew up without a dad, like I said. Mm -hmm. Didn't know nothing. I didn't have pastors that really were talking to me. So I got married. I didn't know what to do on the honeymoon. Literally. I read James Dobson book, an old <laughs> okay. guy from three year, 300 years ago. And so I said, I'm not sure this is updated. Um, what am I going to do, Lord? <laughs> I literally didn't know what am I going to do. And I remember I was there on honeymoon night. And like, okay, my wife went to the bathroom. Okay, rated G still. Uh, I didn't know what to do. I was there like, okay, I don't know what to do, Lord. <laughs> and then my wife came out, still dressed and everything. And she said, she, she's, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what, she's beautiful. I'm going to die of a heart attack right now. And I didn't know what to do. And all I said is, uh, can we pray? There we go. <laughs> and she's like, ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm thinking she might have thought, oh man, this guy is way too spiritual. Anyways, we nailed down, we prayed. And we couldn't stop crying and thanking God for three hours. It was the most beautiful experience. And I'm telling you, God has joy. God has purity, healing, comfort. Once you wait on Him, it is always worth to wait upon the Lord. He will always reward you. Trust Him. That's... 
that's it. If we trust God, mm-hmm. um, He will provide everything that we need. And I think uh, the best way to close this conversation would be to offer the opportunity to continue this conversation on. This mm-hmm. it does not have to stop at this podcast. So if you are you're listening to this and you have more questions, you just want to share your story. We have people that want to listen. And so show up to church on Sunday. Yeah. Show up to young adults on Thursday night. Even just message our Instagram and say, I want to talk about the last young and adulting podcast. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to share my story. Uh, somebody's going to be there. Somebody's going to listen to your story. Somebody's going to pray with you because um, I, I love this. Even through David's story that we talked about, he was known as a man after God's heart yeah. because of how he responded mm-hmm. at the end. He went right back to Jesus. He went mm-hmm. right back to God. And that's yeah. what all of us need to do. Well, uh, we are we're praying for you. We love you. We believe the best for you. The grace of Jesus is so great. We've received it, mm-hmm. and we believe it's good enough for every single uh, person listening to this. So this concludes this season and this mm-hmm. conversation on relationships. And so we want to see you on Thursday night. We want you to like uh, the podcast, subscribe to it, share this with somebody that needs to hear this conversation and this message, and stay tuned. You've got to follow us on Instagram. You've got to subscribe because season three is coming soon, and we're so excited about it. We will see you there. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.